I was, I was having to go back and forth because uh, my daughter Christy was in the hospital, so I was going up about every two or three days, regardless of what the fire was doing. And I came through one night, and there was smoke. You couldn't see from me to the front row here, but I was creeping along about seven miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, all the smoke turned really, really orange, about like Judy's coat back there. And then it intensified. Huh? Oh, yeah, like my shirt. Yeah, I, didn't, I can't see my shirt. <laughs> I'd need a mirror out there. Uh, I didn't remember what I wore. So it, uh, I just think white shirt, and it might have colors. <laughs> I, actually, I'm blessed because Nancy laid out all the clothes I should wear and has them all in order so I know what I'm supposed to do. Uh, and, and I didn't change anything after she left to go to be with the Lord. I just left everything in order and I just keep moving them around. <laughs> it's, not that I'm, it's not that I'm clothes hindered or challenged. It's, it's way worse than that. So. But I came through and all of a sudden it just went really bright orange and, and it got real hot in the car and then within about a half mile it settled down. I thought, I think I just drove through fire. And when I went back up two or three days later, I could see where the fire came down, came across the highway and right where I was at and they announced on the news to, to be careful because the fire had jumped the highway and it was at exactly the time when I went through there. I don't want anybody hurt. Amen. God was gracious. I didn't even burn any paint on the car. <sighs> yeah. I wasn't testing the Lord. He was taking care of me. That's... Um, keep, keep people in prayer for traveling mercies because we've got lots of folks that are traveling. Tom, Carew, and family were at Cantwell about two or three days ago getting ready to do hiking and all kinds of stuff. And then they were going to be driving. I think they were going down the Denali Highway. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. They were just kind of going, well, what do we want to do today? Well, it looks like a good day. Let's drive that way. So we really can't tell where they are. He said he would contact me every time he has a little bit of cell phone service. So he's somewhere where there's no cell phone service right now. And uh, this is Pentecost Sunday, as I was referencing a little bit ago. And... This is a powerful day. Uh, the Lord woke me up early and just, just pretty much told me, go outside and just enjoy the morning. Amen? Enjoy the morning. Enjoy the presence of the Lord. And, and the thing about getting up early in the morning is you can go out real early at, say, 445, 5 o'clock, something like that. You can hear all the birds singing. You can hear the loons crying out. You can hear everything going on. It's just wonderful. They're all praising the Lord. You can watch the sun come up, like it says in, in Psalm 57, uh, I, will, I will awaken the dawn by singing praises and songs to you. It says that also in Psalm 108. And the same thing. And so Pentecost Sunday to me is, is am I really walking in the Holy Spirit as I should be? Have I allowed him to fill me as he wants to? Amen. So I want to take you, I want to walk you through some stuff. And, I, and it's essentially it's talking about, and, it, and the kids will be able to relate to it. It's about, about the Holy Spirit more than anything. But at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we find John the Baptist at the Jordan River in Luke 3.15. And while the people were in a state of expectation and all wondering in their hearts about John the Baptist as to whether he was the Christ, John answered and, and said to them all, 
As for me, he says, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to even untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Amen? This, and near the end of Jesus' ministry, we looked at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, near the end we find Jesus speaking to his disciples ten days before Pentecost in Acts 1.4. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, Jesus said, you've heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then we find a, <clears throat> we find a gathering of 120 disciples waiting and praying in the upper room in Acts 1, 12 and following. And they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem. It's a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, James and John and, and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot and Judas, the son of James. And they all continued in one accord, one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And in those days, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of his disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120. And, and that's where we're going to stop in that reading. 120 disciples gathered together in prayer for 10 straight days is what we're going to realize. 40 days, Jesus was ministering following the resurrection. And then he said to his disciples as he proceeded to be lifted up into heaven and ascended to wait for what is coming. And so on Pentecost morning, Acts 2.1, <clears throat> when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. A lot of people say the wind came in. It didn't. It was a noise like a violent rushing wind. I heard a recording that took place at Pond Inlet, way up on Baffin Island, when they had a powerful revival. And all of a sudden, they had a re this recording started recording. And the interesting thing is, is, is that there was, there was no noise anywhere that they could hear except on the recording. And as the noise began to play, it was coming through the speakers, it was coming through everything, and then it was coming and filling the whole entire building. And, and as I was, I'm getting jazzed now, as I was listening to it, it was extraordinary. It was a noise that, that I would like to explain to you what it sounded like, but it was definitely Holy Spirit noise filling that place. Everybody in the village of Pond Inlet changed following that revival because the Holy Spirit fell upon that place. I would, if it were, if the Lord would fulfill my desire that that noise would come into this place this morning because you will leave here completely changed. Amen. You will be different and you will be empowered in ways you cannot even imagine. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. And there appeared on them tongues of fire distributing themselves as they rested uh, on each one of them. That fire literally was not like little flames like you see in a lot of the paintings. It was more like envision a, a fiery type lightning going straight up to heaven coming all the way down, being partitioned out, 
right from the very throne room of God, coming down on each and every one. And it was visible. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. And I wrote in here, I would pray, Lord, for the same thing to happen this morning in this place. They were filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. I want us to grasp this because my prayer would be that we too would be filled with our Lord Holy Spirit. For that Pentecost morning, they were changed and given power as Jesus had promised. And my hope would be that we too, no one left behind, would all be changed this morning and given power as Jesus has promised. So who is our Lord Holy Spirit? Well, that's a really good question. A lot of this is for the youngsters, but it's also for a lot of folks who really don't really understand all of that. Who is our Lord Holy Spirit who can fill each one of us in the same way as what took place with the disciples that day on Pentecost? He's not just an impression. He's, he's not just a power source. He's not a ghost manifestation. Uh, that, and though sometime long ago and even yet some today call Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. He's, he's not like a radio signal or a, or a, a power uh, or a, a electricity that I can just go over and turn on or turn off when I want to. I'm telling you all the misconceptions people have. He's God with us. He's eternal. He's the divine third person of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has come to dwell in saved believers in Jesus. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Jesus referred to our Lord Holy Spirit as he, and when Jesus announced him as the Comforter and the Helper and, and the Spirit of Truth. John 15, 26. But when the Comforter, the Helper, comes... Whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. He bears witness with us. John 16, 13. But the Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Our Lord, Holy Spirit. Our helper. Our comforter. Spirit of truth. Our teacher. With each saved Christian, always, even unto the end of the age, he comes and fills you and he does not depart. Amen? Each one who is saved, regardless of their age, from the youngest to the older ones, I don't care who you are, if you have asked the Lord Jesus to be your Savior, And you've come into salvation, and we've got some in this congregation that are pretty young, and they were very true in what they did. They walked in the presence of the Holy Spirit, possibly more than many of us adults, because they don't have any qualms about listening to the voice that's speaking to them. As I've told many parents in this place, you should pay attention to your youngsters because God's already talking to them. They're already making decisions at an age this young, on what they're going to be doing because God's talking to them. He's showing them what he wrote about them in his book of life. He's telling them, this is what I ordained for you. This is where I want you to go. 
And when they start talking about being a missionary at, at seven, eight, and nine years old, that's because God's already laying it on their heart. Amen? We just get to help them along the way. Holy Spirit is an individual. He is God, as I said, but he is the divine, he is the divine one of the Trinity. But even more, he is someone we should know and should trust in him and trust him always without doubt or, res- doubt or reservation. Uh, we should trust him enough that we could say, Lord, I need to get from here to over there and I cannot see the way. And he'd say, well, I will tell you exactly how to go. And we would begin to walk and we would know that he will not fail us. A hundred percent trust. And he will not fail us. If things don't work out like we supposed, presupposed, as I had somebody on the phone telling me the other day, he says, I, I, they repented because they had presupposed how things should be and got mad at God because they didn't work out that way. I wasn't any of you in here, okay, so. But if I trust my Lord Holy Spirit to guide my steps, who am I to argue if he tells me to go right, left, or straight ahead? Or even turn around and go the other way. He knows better than I know what is taking place. <clears throat> some of his qualities that we should know. And I'm going to walk you through some of them and only, only a few of them though. He has intellect. Well, yeah, Henry. No, no, no. He has intellect. I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians 2.10. <clears throat> Follow with me, please. 1 Corinthians 2.10 down through 13. We need to see this, this Holy Spirit we're going to trust in. We need to know him more than, than just, just fleetingly. But God has revealed to them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Hear what that just said. The Holy Spirit not only searches us, but he searches the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, thank goodness for that, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual I love the revelation of the Holy Spirit. I love it when, when someone asks me to, to speak and, and they, can, you an, can you answer this question? And I love question and answers because I know that the Holy Spirit will never, ever fail me. He always provides an answer. And when I begin to speak, and this is just me, so I'm just telling you what I can witness. When I begin to answer, I'll have people say, can you repeat that? Nancy learned this a long time ago. She always carried a recorder. I said, I can't repeat it because it's not coming from my wisdom. It's coming from the Holy Spirit who is giving me revelation. I've watched men in the workplace who really walked with the Lord, and they would go to fix something, and they go, you know, I say, okay, God, I see how this is supposed to be, and they would start to fix something because God gave them the revelation. You go, well, how can God do that? Because God gave revelation to the one who invented the doggone thing. So who knows 
Laterno, the fellow that invented Caterpillar tractors, used to go to sleep at night and dream about all kinds of stuff and get up the next morning and draw it all out. How much will we walk in the Holy Spirit? How much will we trust him in what we do? We need to trust him more because the days ahead are going to need the Holy Spirit with you. Amen? That's another subject. (laughs) I'm not going to go down that road today. Holy Spirit has emotion, for he loves and can be grieved. Take a look at Romans 15.30. Actually, yeah, go ahead, 15.30. I need you to yellow some things in. Or if you have a blue marker, blue markers are okay too. And, uh, <laughs> Romans 15.30. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. The love by our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of our Holy Spirit. You know that you can be sitting there in your house and suddenly just be washed in love. And you go, oh, that is so wonderful. Thank you, God. And literally, you should be thanking our Lord Holy Spirit who has just given you a big, huge wash of love all over because he saw what was going on in you and he knew that you needed to be lifted up at that moment. Amen. Amen. Take a look at, at, uh, at <clears throat> Ephesians, well, I read Ephesians 4, uh, 30 uh, and following this morning, but, uh, but let, take a look at Ephesians 4, 30 through 32, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I read the first passage on that, but then Paul continued on with this passage. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I could go down that road a long ways too. Holy Spirit has a will of his own. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3 and verse 11. I'll just read these to you. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit can say Jesus is accursed. Not possible. No one can say Jesus is Lord except if the Holy Spirit gives them utterance. Amen. No one, in verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing gifts to each one individually, just as he wills. You know, I'll give you some verses. He speaks and we are to listen. 1 Timothy 4.1, he can be insulted, Hebrews 10.29, he can be blasphemed and lied to, Acts 5, 3 and 4, he can be resisted by unbelievers in Acts 7, uh, verse 51, and he can be quenched, which I'm going to refer to in a bit, by believers in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, that's why we're warned, do not quench the spirit. Our Lord Holy Spirit dwells within each saved believer in Jesus, but there is so much more, for there is Jesus' promise of power as each one is filled by our Lord Holy Spirit to accomplish Jesus' commands. As Jesus said in Acts 1.8, the disciples were going to receive power from on high, and they were receiving power from on high to share the good news of Jesus. <laughs> Such power is not an it. To be bought and sold, used and abused for used and abused for worldly desires and to satisfy one's own pride. There were some, like Simon the sorcerer, called a magician back in Acts 8, who wanted to buy 
the power of the Holy Spirit. They treated the, the people treat like this treat the divine power of God through the Holy Spirit as a worldly commodity that can be bought and sold and used for profit. They walk in the same spirit that Simon the sorcerer walked in. Acts 8, 19. Uh, he said, give me this power that anyone whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. He and others like him wanted it, the power. And Peter declared that Simon the sorcerer's heart was not right before God. And yet many Christians have fallen into the same deceptive trap through the years. I want to quote a modern-day prophet and anointed evangelist, and I don't know if you care for him or not, but Benny Hinn has got some good words that I would like to go ahead and quote. He said, if the Holy Spirit is power, we will want to get a hold of it, like Simon the Sorcerer. But if the Holy Spirit is a divine person, we will want, to get a, he, we will want him to get a hold of us. If the Holy Spirit is power, we will want it to accomplish our will and whim. But if the Holy Spirit is a divine person, we will want to surrender more to him in awe and wonder. And the third one, if the Holy Spirit is power, some will be deceived and become proud that they have it and may even be prideful and feel a bit superior to those that don't. But if the Holy Spirit is truly a divine person, the third person in the Trinity, we will be humbled that in his great love, this very third person of the Trinity has chosen to come and dwell within us. Amen. When people tell me, I don't know where God went, and I go, well, just get a mirror and look at yourself because he's still living there. He didn't go away. How far away is he? Right here. Right here. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Consider Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.16. I'd like you to turn with to that. I'll show you a couple things in this passage just so that you have a, a good grasp of this is just one of them. But in Matthew 3.16, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. What you see in this passage is not only with Jesus coming under the full anointing of the Holy Spirit, but you also see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see the Trinity in this passage. Then Jesus went forth in the wilderness. Now hear what I'm going to say, because this applies to every single person in here who gets fearful. I personally hate fear. Fear does not come from God, the kind of fear that terrifies people. It comes from the devil who will just eat you for lunch if you fall into fear. Holy Spirit gave Jesus confidence. Now, when I say that, follow with me. Because then Jesus went forth in the wilderness, contending with the temptations of the devil. He had victory through the anointing and abiding presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I want to say that again. He had victory through the anointing, abiding presence, and power of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus, our Savior and Redeemer, relied completely on Holy Spirit for everything as he ministered so that he could affirm he was empty of self and had become like unto mankind so that he could show with his life the way to eternal victory in all things through the indwelling presence and the anointed power of the Holy Spirit. So we too can do the same. For Jesus has led the way. He has shown the way. He is the way for those who would have spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear. We walk in the same anointing that our Lord Jesus walked in. Jesus proved it. And we can be, have full confidence that if the Holy Spirit was with Jesus and helped him along the way, he will do the same for us. Amen. For when one enters into baptism in the Holy Spirit. No, I'll go I'll back up one. Same Holy Spirit who came to rest in his fullness upon Jesus is the same Holy Spirit who will come to dwell within you as a saved and believer in Jesus. Let me say that again. The same Holy Spirit who anointed Jesus is the same Holy Spirit who anoints you. There's no difference. Everything that you read about our Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament, we can walk in. When he spoke healing, we can speak healing. When he prayed for people to be raised, we could do that. When he walked in confidence among the crowds, we can do that. When he turned and walked away because the Holy Spirit said, this is not our battle, we can do that. And when people try to mock you and say, what are you going, why are you leaving? Saying, well, it's not, it's not a good day to be contending with you, devil. And we can walk away. Anything that is going on in our life, if Jesus walked through it, we can walk through it. Why? Because he walked through it in the power and might and fortitude of the Holy Spirit. You have nothing less than the full measure of our Lord Holy Spirit's presence. Amen. He will fill you with divine, eternal Holy Spirit power so you are able to go forth without fear, proclaiming and sharing Jesus with others with signs and wonders following. Amen. When one enters into baptism in the Holy Spirit, they are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit just as the disciples were on the day of Pentecost. And one entering into baptism in the Holy Spirit will receive and be filled with Holy Spirit power as promised by Jesus. They will begin to feel a boldness to go forth and share the gospel with others. I've got to tell you, I'll just say this for personal experience, after being filled at a meeting up with Mary Glazier and a bunch of other ladies that, that they were up there and they prayed me through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think you were there, Bev. And uh, the next morning, there was already a difference. I didn't realize how big a difference it was, but the Sunday school class that I was teaching, a bunch of adults, there were about 30 adults in there, and one of them stopped. He says, what happened to you? I said, what do you mean? I thought, what, did I not wear my clothes right? You know? He says, you're different. Your teaching isn't the same. That was God verifying what the Holy Spirit had done. Then he started putting all of these burdens on me. <laughs> Don't you just love walking in the Lord? It's like... Henry, I need you to start a prayer group. Oh, no, God, I am not a praying man. Well, you are now. 
I, okay, all right, I'll agree, to, I'll agree to this little tiny prayer group over here. I think we met at your house. Then he says, yeah, that, that worked pretty good. So now, a short time later, he says, I need you to start a, another prayer group. And I'll, and I'll just tell you this story, and then I'll stop, because it goes on and on and on and on. And I said, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do? Because I was like, whatever you ask, I'll do it. He says, well, I need you to start a prayer group, and, and these are the people that I want you to have uh, join it, and this is what I want you to do. It's going to be for the whole western side of the Kenai Peninsula, and these are the individuals that I want you to uh, have be a part of it. I says, God, he gave me the names. I said, I only know one of those people. I don't know the rest of those people. He had me write them down. He always, get a yellow pad and start writing. So I do. And he says, that's okay, because I've already ordained divine appointments, and you're going to meet them. Boy, I'll tell you what, God does what he wants to do if you're willing to let him do it. Amen? And we began to move in prayer. We began to do all kinds of things. I'll leave you with one other thing about the lost. And we were... That prayer group, we were meeting at the Methodist Church in Nanilchik. We The place was packed. We were getting ready to take communion. And, and then we were going to go into a long season of prayer. We had people from Homer and Kiski and Sterling and all over the place. And the Lord says, Henry, you know, and I'm getting ready to take communion. He says, I want you to, to feel what I feel for the lost. The pain that I feel for the lost. He says, but I'm only going to give you as much as you'll be able to handle. And he says, I'm just going to barely touch your finger. And he says, it's going to put you on the floor. And you won't be able to get up for a while. That was the most unbelievable, excruciating pain I've ever felt in my entire life. I cannot describe the intensity And if, if I only had what little I could handle, I cannot imagine what God feels for the lost. And I says, God, I was never the same after that. That's the Holy Spirit saying, you need to have a comprehension of what I'm asking you to do. I see everybody by God's eyes, by, by his revelation, uh, I shouldn't say this because some of you might not like it, but, but it's literally, he lets me read your mail, okay? And so, and it's so that I know what's going on with you. And it doesn't mean I always minister to people. It's, Lord, what are you doing? He says, I need you to pray for them. I need you to pray for this one, this one, this one. And this one, I want you to go up and talk to them. They're ready to receive a conversation. It isn't just here. I've had people ask me, they said, well, don't, don't, why don't you go to a conference? It would just be so enjoyable. And I said, no, it wouldn't. He says, why not? You, can just, you don't have to worry about anything. I says, I, I walk in a conference or another congregation, and the first thing I see is everybody. And I'm already seeing everything about them. That's the Holy Spirit. Realize what the Lord may have you do. If, working in a place like the college where I worked, I saw the lost. I said, Lord, how can I talk to them? What can I do to, to, to see something change? Amen? That's the Holy Spirit. He fills you with the power to go forth and begin to proclaim the gospel and share Jesus. <clears throat> he 
said we would receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest places of the earth, Acts 1.8. And an urgency will begin to grow within you as you feel the Holy Spirit urgency uh, filling you and guiding you to activate Jesus' command to go into the world and preach the gospel to all creations out of Mark 16.15. Jesus said we're to have ears to hear Pray for ears to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Pray for a spiritual awareness, a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's desires and his leading. Pray you will be ready to answer and respond when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. The lost ones and the wanderers of this world are crying out in the wilderness of life. We may be the one who is called by the Holy Spirit to take the message of Jesus' salvation and mercy and forgiveness uh, and living hope and encouragement to them. We may be saying, well, I, I don't really feel like doing this. Lord, I, I just want to stay home. I'm, I'm having a good life, and perhaps, but consider this with me. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the anointing, is instant and complete. It is not progressive. Okay, Henry, so if the baptism is instant and complete and not progressive, you might be wondering, well, then why isn't everyone powerfully anointed in the Holy Spirit, affecting salvations, seeing healings, miracle signs and wonders following? Fair question. Powerfully anointed, yes. But you know a bonfire cannot be a bonfire if that bonfire has the ability to self-quench itself every time it begins to truly burn. That's why we're warned in Thessalonians, don't quench the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit already knew and spoke through Paul that people were already starting to quench the move of the Holy Spirit in them. Powerfully anointed, we need to be a bonfire. Yeah, powerfully anointed. I'm, I'm going to be done here in just a couple minutes. Powerfully anointed, healer and prophet of the past, Smith Wigglesworth. Some of you have heard of Smith Wigglesworth. He was phenomenal. He, I don't remember how many people he raised from the dead. It was like 10 or 15 different folks that had been dead, definitely dead, like dead, cold dead, and raised them from the dead by the Holy Spirit. He became a Christian many, many, many years before he answered his calling from the Lord, Holy Spirit, at 48 years old. Which is interesting, because I read about his life. He said the Holy Spirit anointing had been diminished by his own unbelief, uncertain faith, unsurrendered heart, unsurrendered mind, unsurrendered soul, his complete, incomplete obedience, and his very distracted worldly focus that was not of the Lord. He was saved, but everything that could get in the way got in the way. And one day, God woke him up. And like that, he changed and became an extraordinarily powerful man in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Things like what Smith Wigglesworth talked about, such things as these, take away from the fullness of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and quench the Holy Spirit and diminish our service to Jesus. I would say, may it be that young and old would no longer be holding back. 
This would be for everyone in here. As with the saints of old and the mighty clouds of witnesses who surround us, such as Peter and Paul and Smith Wigglesworth and even our own Pastor Nancy who was tremendously anointed and others, that, that may we come to know and trust our Lord Holy Spirit as our most trusted friend who will never leave us and never forsake us. <clears throat> that we would have an ear <clears throat> that is listening for his voice only. That we would be able to decipher if it's his voice or not. That we would choose to be fully believing kingdom believers without doubt and self-imposed limitations. That we would answer the call on our lives without holding back and would activate the fiery power of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we begin to share the good news of Jesus with others. The result, before I pray, John 14, 12 says, greater works than these you will do. Turn to somebody next to you and say, greater works. Greater works. And, and, for some of you who are doubting Thomases and doubting Thomasinas, I made that word up. <laughs> when you begin to walk in the Holy Spirit, God is so gracious, verifying signs and wonders will follow so you will know what is taking place. Amen? You'll be so shocked. You will pray for someone because you're not the healer, but you're the prayer, and God brings a healing, and you go, oh, my goodness, I prayed and they were healed. Oh, my goodness. And suddenly you're shocked. Well, you shouldn't be. Holy Spirit's in you. You got out of the way. And God is faithful. Amen. 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 That's a powerful day. Amen. We're going to pray in just a moment. But I, I like I said, I am praying before I pray this written prayer that I put down. <clears throat> My, my hope would be that each one here would move out of the way and say, Lord Holy Spirit, here I am. Use me. Use me because I believe without any limitations. I trust you without any limitations. And I have faith that you are always with me and my faith will never waver and there will be no limitations. Amen. See what the Lord can do. Amen? Holy Spirit. I would, I would have you say all this after me, but I got a little carried away writing the prayer. So <laughs> it's a short one. But if you would just, you could stand up or you can raise your hands or whatever you want to do, whatever you're comfortable in doing. So. And I'll go slow, so if you want to repeat some of the stuff that I'm, that I'm saying, is, uh, the first part is, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Become my trusted friend, my helper, my comforter, my teacher of truth. Give me spiritual ears that will hear and will know your voice. Direct and guide my life that I may become a blessing in Jesus' kingdom. Fill me with your anointed power so that I can go forth boldly and fearlessly as a Christian witness for Jesus, that I may share the good news of Jesus with others 
with confirming signs and wonders and miracles following to your glory, Lord God in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Bless you all, and may the Holy Spirit fall on you, and if he does while you're driving, pull off the road, please. <laughs> Amen. Amen.